Today is April 19th, 2022. This is Everyone Has an Opinion. My name is Juan, and we are back, baby. Spence Ugas, one hell of a fight. Earl Spence completely dominating this Saturday night, taking over the second half of the fight, brutalizing Ugas to the point where the doctor had to stop the fight. Ugas had a closed eye. He was a one-eyed man in an ass-kicking contest going into the fight. The question was, how is Earl Spence's eye after the retinal surgery, after the tear? How is he going to react when he gets hit? And he did get hit in that fight. Definitely did early in the fight. Got hit on the eye. Reacted a little awkwardly. Uh, looked like he could have been ruled knocked down. He, his back, he got backed up against the ropes to the point where the ropes actually held him up. Technically, that should have been a knockdown. But the way Spence reacted after it showed me all I needed to see. Showed that he's a true dog was a true warrior. Um, not only did he react okay um, after the slight miscommunication there where it looked like he was looking for his mouthpiece, got cracked a few times, whatever the case may be. Once he recovered from that, it was all downhill for Ugas because Spence upped his output even more and took over and really broke the will and the eye of your Dennis Ugas. Ugas is no easy fighter to get by. Ugas showed he had heart, showed he had determination, showed he had a, a competent game plan. Um, he was countering Earl Spence early, did land some good body shots too, even after being hurt. Uh, that that clearly made Earl Spence uncomfortable, but it was Spence's aggression, Spence dominating on the inside and his will to really fight the way he wanted to, fight the game plan that he has been fighting for the most of his career. Incredible stuff by Spence. Seems somehow to be even better now than he was before the accident, before the surgery. And he's finally in a position where welterweight supremacy, undisputed status, is only one fight away. And we all know who that last fight is against. That'll be Terrence Bud Crawford. Crawford holds the one title that Earl Spence doesn't have. This is his third championship Four will make him undisputed. Spence called out Crawford after the fight, right in the ring, made it very clear, didn't duck or dodge, didn't say, you know what, I got to go back to my team. I got to see what comes to the table. No, he said, you know who's next. You know who I want. His name is Terrence Crawford. Terrence, keep that belt warm because I'm coming for it, is basically what he said. It's finally happening. Terrence Crawford versus Earl Spence, the biggest fight in boxing, bar none. The best fight you could possibly make right now in the sport is going to happen in the year of our Lord, 2022. I know three years ago, people talked about this fight happening. They wanted to see it then. It's only grown even bigger now. The fight back then would have been awesome, but it wouldn't be any near as big or any near as competitive. I believe both guys are at the top of their game. They're doing things that haven't been done before. Terrence Crawford stopped Sean Porter for the first time in Porter's career. I think we would all agree Porter was a top five welterweight. Your Dennis Ugas arguably beat Sean Porter in their fight, beat many other names in the welterweight division, just retired a legend in Manny Pacquiao and was champion. I think we would all agree. We would all agree that he is a top five welterweight in the division. Earl Spence 
just stopped him for the first time in his career. These two guys, Spence and Crawford, are on a collision course. Now is the time. It's for Undisputed. Before, it wouldn't have been for Undisputed. This is for all the belts. Both are undefeated. Both are in their prime. Both are boxing at a higher level than they have ever boxed before in their lives. And it's amazing to see that we're finally going to get it. You know why we're going to get it? Because both fighters demand it. Also because Terrence Crawford is no longer in a promotional contract with top rank. He is suing them for not getting him the fights that he deserved or he wanted at the time. There's nothing holding this back. This is going to happen. Yes, I know Stanionis had stated that if he were to beat Buteyev, which was on the undercard of this pay-per-view fight, that he was going to accept the title fight. He wasn't going to step aside again because he already stepped aside from being the mandatory. Well, funny how things change because he said that, then he went on to win. Earl Spence went on to win and called out Crawford. Now Stanley Onis is saying, you know, whatever happens, happens. If I get to step aside for Crawford, basically is what he's saying. If I get to step aside for this undisputed title fight, they give me the money, I'm going to step aside. And I don't blame him because if he didn't step aside, the boxing world would be pissed. And there's no shame in stepping aside when you're going to get handed a million-dollar check. Step aside, take that money, go on to another fight, then come back and fight the, fight the, the winner of the undisputed fight. Or if the title gets vacant, you know you're first in line to get that title. Either way, it's a win-win situation for Stanionis. He got a big win, he's going to get a big paycheck, and then he's going to get another fight after that. So I think all sides really win. The welterweight division is on fire. But we want to see these two titans go head-to-head. These two guys at the top of their game that have been argued about for a very long time. We're going to find out who really is the best. And I can't wait to break that all down. I'm going to break it all down in a future video when the fight gets official. But it really is the thing that most fans are talking about today. Right now. And that's even with a World Heavyweight Championship fight right around the corner. The boxing world is talking about Spence versus Crawford. That is the thing we all want to see. And it's crazy that we're about to get it. Boxing is in an amazing place right now. Sometimes we don't realize history until it's past. We don't realize history is being made until it already happens. Until we're looking back on it. I think that's the case here right now. In a few years, we're going to look back at this era and realize how amazing it truly has been. A few years ago, there was talk about the best not fighting the best. How we don't get the fights we want and boxing at that time. And we're not getting with the time we want them. But I believe that is also a thing of the past. We're currently in a time where we are getting more unification title fights and even undisputed title fights are happening more rapidly than any other time in boxing history. We're blessed to be getting top-notch boxing nearly every single week, especially this nine-week stretch that we're in, where I continue to talk about it because on a weekly basis, we're getting great matchups and we're also getting a lot of upsets. We're, lit, we're having more live events all over the world than any other time in history, where it's being broadcast thanks to streaming networks and lucrative television contracts and stuff like that. There's more money and there's more outlets than any other time in boxing history. Last week, we got a unification title fight. Spence and Crawford, excuse me, Spence and Ugas. This week, we're getting a heavyweight title match between two top five heavyweights, Fury, Dillian White. The following week, we're getting number one versus number two in the lightweight, 
the junior lightweight division in a unification title fight between Shakur Stevenson and Oscar Valdez, both undefeated champions. The week after that, we're getting Canelo Alvarez moving up to fight another undefeated light heavyweight champion. This is after Canelo has already become undisputed at super middleweight, moving up to another division. The following week is undisputed. Stop me if you've heard that before because we're getting a lot of them. Undisputed at super welterweight. Charlo versus Castaño 2. A couple weeks after that, we're getting another undisputed for all the belts at lightweight between George Cambosos and Devin Haney. By the time that fight takes place, folks, we are only halfway through the year. Only halfway. We have another second half of 2022 upon us where it looks like we're going to get the undisputed matchup between Crawford and Spence. And trust me, there's going to be a lot of other high-quality fights. We got Usyk Joshua 2 coming. We got a lot coming in that second half to match the greatness that we're getting in the first half. The number one fight to be made is going to happen. It's crazy to think, but it really is going to happen. It's It's been a long time coming, but the time is now. Not only do I think the fight's going to be better inside the ring, I also believe it's going to be more lucrative at the box office because this is the talk of the town. Guys, and I'm talking about the boxing world when I say the talk of the town. I don't mean the actual town I live in. It's not the talk of that town, but it is the town, the talk of the boxing world town, the boxing community, every space. Chicken talk on Twitter, the best boxing space there is in the world. Let me say it again. Chicken talk, if you haven't heard chicken talk, you haven't heard anything. Chicken talk, the number one thing being talked about in there is Spence Crawford. The number one trend in boxing is Spence Crawford. True 50-50 fight. It's to the point where you can even argue about each other's strengths and weaknesses. These guys are so evenly matched, the public can't even agree on who has more power, who's more athletic, who has better defense. These are all up for debate, and the only way to settle it is when they finally meet in the ring. Spence Crawford is going to happen this year. It's going to be fantastic. Now, like I said, I'm going to get in depth on that fight another day. I'm just excited. Please excuse me. You should be excited as well. If you're a fight fan and you're not excited for this, log off the podcast. Delete it from your phone. Don't even... Bother listening to the rest of this. If you're not excited about this fight, I don't know what you're excited about. But back to how boxing is in a great space. We talk about the debates between these fighters. That also bleeds into pound-for-pound rankings. Because for a long time, the general consensus agreed on who the best fighter in the world was. For the most part. Obviously, there's some people that are going to disagree here and there. But for the most part, we all agreed the best fighter in the world at one point was Roy Jones Jr., regardless of weight class, talking skill, pound for pound, competition, all that rolled rolled into one. Roy Jones was that guy. After that, it was Floyd Mayweather. Manny Pacquiao had his moments in there as well, but for the majority of his career, most would say Mayweather was the best in the world. After that, we saw a little bit of a flex. A little bit of guys in and out. When Floyd was in retirement and then out of, in and out of retirement, Andre Ward kind of emerged as the number one guy, but then you had Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez, who was still there, one or two. You had Triple G at his peak um, around the time of the first Canelo fight. He was in that conversation. And nowadays, um, you had Lomachenko, was probably more recently one of the guys that emerged out of nowhere. He was in the top five, top three, top two category. 
in now most people would say Canelo Alvarez, but you also have a lot of people saying Terrence Crawford. Ever since he became undisputed at 140, Terrence Crawford entered the conversation. Then when he moved up to welterweight and became champion, since then, a lot of people have him at number one. Now your new way is probably the latest guy, the more recent guy, to jump into people's number one from the smaller weight divisions. And then you have Alexander Usyk, who dominated the cruiserweight division back when cruiserweight was actually stacked. He dominated there. The maximum weight was 200 pounds. He then jumped to heavyweight and eventually dethroned 245-pound Anthony Joshua. That's why Usyk is in the conversation as well. The point is you can select many different fighters right now and you can make an educated argument as to why they are the best in the world. This era is in the discussion to have the most talent any era has ever had in the history of boxing. It's not discussed enough because we're also in a time where there's less household names than those glory eras of the past. The NBA, the NFL, NHL, soccer leagues from all over the league, they've all done a great job at advertising themselves and the American market to where they're usually more popular than any boxing match. When you go to other countries, that's usually not the case. The UK is a perfect example where you can have a mid-level guy sell about 20,000 to 30,000 seat arenas. You could have a guy in the mid-pack selling that. That's how dedicated that fan base is. There's also other fan bases, Australia with Jared Cambosos. We're going to see how they come out, but I believe that's going to perform very well. The other countries outside of the U.S. Um, definitely sell more. In the U.S., the 30,000 seat type stuff, there's only a handful of guys, if that, that can actually do those numbers here in the States. But the money is there in the United States and the hardcore fan base. We're going to all watch. We're going to spend our dollars on pay-per-view. So that is something different. Back in the days, a lot of these fights, the big fights like Ray Leonard, um, Ali, these guys were actually fighting on regular television. You actually didn't even have to fight. I uh, didn't have to pay pay-per-view for most of those fights. So that is why a lot more people were watching then too. But I think it's more of what I said earlier about NFL, NBA. They're such a strong brand that they get promoted and they get watched at a higher higher frequently than any boxing match. But we'll see. I mean, I think this is a great time to be in the sport. Great time to follow it. Great time to watch it. This weekend, we have a guy who I think could fit in any era, and that's Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury <clears throat> claims this is his last fight. Do I believe him? No, because this guy has said a lot of crazy things in the past. I don't believe everything he says. He's great at talking. He's great at uh, bringing people in the arena. But I have to say the buzz for this fight just doesn't seem there. Not in the U.S. at least. In the U.K. did tremendous numbers. But in the U.S. I feel like Wilder and Joshua. Joshua definitely moved the needle as well. But Wilder and Joshua are the top names in, in heavyweight division here in, the, in America. When those two guys aren't involved, the, the hype for heavyweights truly dips really far off. Um, Tyson Fury didn't have success selling in the U.S. besides his fights with Wilder. U.K., totally different story. Dillian White also can sell tickets. Um, it's hard to know whether this guy is all in or not, Tyson Fury. Because a year ago, he said he had a huge plan... It involved about six fights, five or six fights. He had it mapped out on ESPN. Since then, he's saying this is his last fight against Dillian White. And I think that would be 
a tragedy to his career because I believe you could put him in any era and he'd be highly competitive because of his size, because of his athletic ability for his size, and because of his reach, his weight. All those things rolled into one. He's a tough matchup. He's bigger than mostly anybody, and he also moves very unorthodox, very fluid. He could switch to southpaw if he needed to. He has a jab, tremendous upper body movement, above average legs, um, just a, a nightmare matchup for anybody in the history of boxing. So I'm not saying he'd be undefeated. He definitely wouldn't be undefeated going against everyone in history, but he would be a tough matchup. He would be competitive with the greats of the world. So if he were to call it quits, I think it would be a mistake as far as legacy goes because, yes, he'd probably retire undefeated, assuming he gets past Dillian White, but historically, when you look at title defenses, he just wouldn't match up at all with any of the greats. He only has one as of now. This would be his second championship defense in his career. When you look at guys like Muhammad Ali, I believe Ali had somewhere between 16 and 19, very high number. So if Fury can possibly get to that 5, 6, 7 range, that's when you can make a case for him being one of the best heavyweights of all time. You have to prove it. He has great victories over Wilder. He has the victory over Vladimir Klitschko when Klitschko was at his reign. Those are two tremendous wins. Well, two over Wilder, one over Klitschko. Three tremendous wins, but I don't think it's enough to really catapult him to all-time status. Hang around the heavyweight division because I, for one, believe the heavyweight division in the next few years, has become even better. I like where it's at now. It's at a, the best place it's been in the last 15 years. But I believe with the guys on the rise, the guys coming up, it's going to be even better. So if Tyson Fury can stick around and fight the guys like Joe Joyce, who has one of the best jabs in the in boxing period, a jab that can truly break your eye, just as Daniel Dubois. Daniel Dubois, another young, he's only 23, 24 years old. He's another young heavyweight uh, along with Jared Anderson, who can come up and be a real power-punching phenomenon. Dubois, Dubois is only is 6'5". Yeah, he's only 24 years old, 18-1, 17-1. Got that one loss to Joe Joyce. He's going to be a problem. Derek Chisora, still sticking around. I believe he's more of a journeyman at this point. But Joseph Parker, still only 30 years old. He's going to be a problem. He only has a couple losses. Very good win over Andy Ruiz. Ruiz still sticking around. Ruiz has the fastest hands in the heavyweight division. But there's guys like Philip Ergovic. Philip Ergovic is a six foot six monster of a guy with tremendous power, but also the boxing ability and the boxing pedigree. Great amateur record, um, Croatian gold medalist. He is going to be a problem for any heavyweight coming up. He's got the size. He's got the speed. He's got everything you need to really take over this division. Alexander Usyk, to me, for my money, the best heavyweight in the world, came up from cruiserweight and just skill for skill. I don't see anyone better than him. Anthony Joshua, still sticking around. He has the rematch against Usyk. Wilder, if he decides to come back, I'm not saying he should fight Fury again, but he'll be a tough opponent for any of the guys I just named. And of course, you have uh, Maris Bradis, excuse me, Murat Gassiev, another cruiserweight moved up, either one of those, Gassiev or, or Bradis, if they both are campaigning at heavyweight, they're both going to be a problem, they're smaller guys, but it's sometimes it's those you know, movement-based guys that can give Tyson Fury problems. You may say, be saying to yourself, I don't even know who half of these guys are. Well, how are you ever going to know of someone until you first hear of them? 
I'm not saying all these guys are going to emerge to be great, but keep an eye on maybe three or four of them, and I guarantee you they're going to make some noise in the heavyweight division. Heavyweight division has a lot of talent, and it's heavyweights. At the end of the day, one punch can change an entire fight. We've seen it many times, and maybe we'll see that this weekend. Tyson Fury versus Dillian White. Dillian White has been claiming he was owed this title shot for a very long time. He got knocked out by Alexander Povetkin during the pandemic era. I believe there was only a few fans in attendance. That was when Eddie Hearn was doing fights in his backyard. Great, great venue, in my opinion. Hopefully they continue that in the summer. But um, White was knocked out by Povetkin. That stopped his his reign towards the heavyweight championship title fight, but he did get the rematch and he did avenge his loss with a knockout victory of his own. So Dillian White is in charge here. His only two losses are to Anthony Joshua and the previously mentioned Povetkin. So he's definitely a threat to Dillian White, uh, to Tyson Fury. And I think it'll be an interesting fight. I think it'll be a fun fight because heavyweights do have that element of it only takes one and the fight could be over. Dillian White is known as the body snatcher. He's a great body puncher, so he's obviously going to have to get inside on Tyson Fury. Now, Tyson Fury, over the last few fights, training under the Kronk gym with um, Emmanuel Stewart's nephew, he has developed a mauling, brawling-type style. I believe it was implemented to effectively run through Deontay Wilder, and closed the gap on Wilder. Wilder was a guy who needed a little bit of distance for the most part to land that huge right hand, that A-plus right hand. He needed a little bit of space uh, to let that off. And Tyson Fury's game plan was to close that gap. Yes, he could outbox Wilder for a, from the distance and easily outbeat him and outpoint him, but that prolonged the fight to where in the 12th round of the first fight, it caught up to Fury and almost knocked him out for good. Luckily, he got up. He's very tough to finish. Fury has been knocked down many times in his career. He got knocked down by Wilder a total of four times. He got knocked down earlier in his career by Steve Cunningham, who came up from cruiserweight. And he got knocked out, uh, knocked down by a guy named Nevin Pajvik, who I do not know anything about, but it was his 17th pro fight and he was knocked down. So Tyson Fury has been knocked down many times. It's just a point of keeping him down. He has a great chin to the point of, I won't say he's a great chin, I'll say he has great recovery speed, if that's a thing. Recovery speed, the time it takes him to recover is very short. This guy gets up, collects his thoughts, very quickly raises to his feet, and from this point, he's finished or beaten everyone that's knocked him down punished Wilder in the second fight and then had the all-time classic in the third fight where both men got up off the canvas and showed tremendous art. Can Dillian White, does Dillian White have what it takes to not only drop Fury, but stop Fury? Because I think that's what it's going to take. I don't see a scenario where Dillian White goes the distance with Tyson Fury and wins. <clears throat> the only question I have is what type of Tyson Fury are you going to see? Are you going to see the mauling, aggressive Fury? If you're going to see that Fury, I think we're going to be in for a great fight, which I think Fury could eventually win, but it also will give Dillian White his best chance to land those bombs to the body, the body snatcher 
is going to want to work inside, but he can also work at range and throw hooks. That left hook from long distance in his right hand is very slapping-like, a clubbing-like. It's not a straight right hand. It's an over-the-top sledgehammer type right hand that comes from a long distance and comes straight down on you. Uh, so we'll see if he can land that looping right hand against Fury. I think that's his best chance because if Fury is on his toes like he was before the Wilder fights, more of a traditional boxer, using his length, using his range, and peppering Dillian White with that jab, I think it's all over for White. I don't think White would, would win a round in that scenario. Fury can make it easy, but a little bit longer, go 12 rounds, or physically dissect uh, White piece by piece and maybe stop him in the later rounds, or he can come through like a train and decide to go straight through Dillian White. If he does that, it will be it will be met with a little bit more resistance from White. It would be more action-packed, more entertaining for us, but I think um, he would still find a way to stop White. It's going to be very difficult for White to deal with Fury's size. Yes, he would want to get in there and exchange with him on the inside, but as long as the fight goes past three rounds, Dillian White would start to tire out dealing with the, the pure mass and weight of, of Tyson Fury leaning on you and pushing you back. White's going to feel strong early, but if he has to deal with Fury doing that for the entire fight, I don't see White lasting longer than eight rounds. That's just my opinion. That's what I have. I say Fury wins this around the eighth round stoppage. But White is going to have to do something drastic early on to change that. And I think that is possible. I think we can see both fights where um, White has some success early, possibly even hurts Fury. But Fury, like he usually does, will get up and come at Dillian White, close the distance, and finish off White. Either way, should be entertaining. Heavyweights at this level, in this era, have been entertaining lately. So hopefully we keep that trend going. Um, the undercard is abysmal, terrible undercard. I don't know why they wouldn't put together some sort of significant undercard, especially with all the talent over there in the UK. Maybe get some of those guys in front of their hometown crowd and... Um, build them up. Like Conor Ben was on a card last week. I think he would have been much better and had much more eyeballs on him if he was on this card. But what do I know? I'm not a boxing promoter. I'm just a man with an opinion. Everyone has an opinion. This just happens to be mine. Tune in next week. I'm going to break down the junior lightweight unification title fight between Shakur Stevenson and Oscar Valdez. But this week, Fury versus Dillian White. It's going to be on zone. I believe it'll be on early, especially if you're on the East Coast. In the United States, it's going to be on around 4 or 5 o'clock. Double check me on that, but it's definitely going to be earlier in the day. It's taking place in the UK, so it's all it's always earlier for us in the US. But should be a good one. Let me know who you guys got, not only in this fight, but let me know who you got in the fight of the year contending. Excuse me, as my dog is kind of getting a little restless right now. He's like, are you done with this episode yet? But let me know what you guys think. Who's going to win? Fury or White? Bless you. Fury or White or... In the future matchup between Spence and Crawford. Spence or Crawford? What team are you now? You've got to draw the line in the sand because it's going to be a very divisive day when these two finally meet. But that's it. That's all I got for you this week. Give me that five-star review. I'm out.